Well, I usually say Pastor Harold gives me the hard scripture, but tonight, uh, I won't say it's the hard scripture, it's, it's hard keeping your emotions in check when you see all those beautiful faces who have gone before us. And so the scripture tonight is from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So then, with endurance... Let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him, and sat down at the right side of God's throne. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All Saints Weekend. We observe this every year. It's part of our Christian calendar. It's how we remember those who have walked this road of faith before us. It's also what encourages us for a life well-lived, a race we have finished, there is the hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. And for that, we do have the promise of eternal life. Recently, when I filled in for Pastor Harold, I talked about the Thessalonians who were new to the way of Jesus, and they didn't understand the hope, the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. They thought their loved ones would die, and that was the end. There was nothing else. But that end is not practical for those of us who follow Jesus. Those of us who follow Jesus and his teachings will go on to Christian perfection and the fulfillment of our faith. We will be part of the kingdom of God. We see the faces that scrolled through with the music and we remember them with compassion and with love. We may not know them personally, but we know that they were greatly loved. We know that their earthly journey is over and we know that they have reached the promised reward. For all the things promised us, this gift of eternal life is the ultimate prize. God is faithful to us. He does not break his promises, and he does not fail us when we need him most. Each one of the faces we were witness to, we may not know anything about them. We, we know that each and every one of them were created by God, in the image of God. We know that God had a plan for their life. We know that God loved every fiber of their being, we know that God knew the number of hairs on their head and the freckles on their skin. God's got all that covered. That's the stuff he knows. He knows everything about all of us and all of the ones we just saw. We also know that every single one of them have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a big gasp, isn't it? But we've all sinned. 
It's part of who we are as people. We have that free will to choose because God gave us that choice. And sometimes we just can't help ourselves sometimes. But we have a God who is so full of love and mercy and grace. Did you hear that? Our God is full to overflowing with love and mercy and grace. We Jesus followers have amazing examples of those who have gone before, but in looking at their lives, they've all made mistakes. It's back to that freedom to choose, isn't it? And that has given the challenge of making good choices, of choices that honor God, of choices that affirm and build up others. When we do the things that build up others, that shows our love and concern, and we are building the kingdom of God. Now, I won't, uh, this is not a test, but the kingdom of God, really, what is that? And I will tell you, they like to stump me on this one all the time at the Board of Ordained Ministry with the uh, United Methodist Church because there's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. The kingdom of God is present where we are now when we practice the teachings of Jesus, when we live into the fulfillment of what Jesus is teaching us. When we show that love and mercy to other people, we are bringing that kingdom into the present. And when we serve others in the mission of Jesus Christ, then we're also bringing the kingdom into the present time. And loving one another in Jesus' name is the ultimate way of bringing the kingdom into the present. You know, Matthew 22, 36 through 39 tells us the best and the greatest teaching that we can ever learn. When the the scribes and the, the Pharisees said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. We say this a lot around here, don't we? We talk a lot about loving God first and loving others. That that is our deepest core mission. And yet sometimes we have so much trouble with it. It stumps us sometimes. It's sometimes so hard to get that right, to be able to love God and love each other. But when we get it right, then we bring the kingdom of God into the now. And that God is active and living among us. And when we leave this earthly body, we'll we'll get to be a spiritual body with all the saints who have gone before us. The kingdom of God will be present in our eternal state. Our very lives have the power to impact others for the kingdom of God. And we can help others find the love of God by our intentional, responsible loving of all people. I want to tell you about this painting from Norman Rockwell. Um, Isaiah, can you, the next one. That one, yes, thank you. Now, 
in the 1960s, when Norman Rockwell decided, started painting this, the, you know, we, it was a, America was shifting. It was going through a lot of changes in the 60s. And so uh, he, he painted this, and they, depicting different races and religions and ethnicities, with the simple but universal phrase, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In 1985, his iconic illustration was reimagined as a giant mosaic and gifted to the United Nations by First Lady Nancy Reagan. And it's remained on display at the UN in the New York City headquarters. It's really interesting about this, this portrait or this painting because Norman Rockwell had forever painted kind of colloquial stuff about people in actions and how they lived and the things that they were doing, very Americana. But he painted this, um, he started painting this when he was still mourning his wife, Mary, who had died suddenly in 1959. Now, if you look carefully, if you would put that painting back up again, that is his wife, Mary, holding the grandchild she never met on this side. And what's even more interesting to me is that um, the rabbi in the center was the retired postmaster. And he was actually a Catholic. But this work appeared in the, on the cover of the, the Post in 1961, and it was overwhelmingly received. And then, subsequently, it became part of the UN in New York City. Now, my point in telling you about this work of art is that the communion of saints will look very differently than many of us imagine. It'll be different people different backgrounds, different lives, different socioeconomic status. The communions of saints will be entirely that, beautiful, different, exceptional facets of God's character. Now, when I think about the saints all in communion together with God, I think about those who have been part of my journey and the, and the roads that I have taken. And I would really be remiss if I didn't say my parents first off actually i got a little choked up when we were looking at the pictures because it made me think of my mom and dad and how they've been gone for 20 years and i still miss them so much today now i lost my mom in 2001 and my daddy had just passed 13 months before. And I was the baby of the family. And I have to confess that I felt like my rudder was gone. Because don't we all miss some form of anchor in our lives? Like that, a, per, a, a tangible, real anchor. And how many times did I pick up the phone to call my mother and then realize that she wouldn't answer? And that was usually true when I was cooking because 
you know, um, my sister was no good at giving advice for doing anything besides boiling eggs. But my mother was such a gentle presence in our lives, but she was the primary spiritual head in our home, and she showered us all with unconditional love. Now, my husband says I grew up in a leave-it-to-beaver home, but that's not really true. If you could show that picture of my mom and dad. That's my mom and dad. And I was really blessed to have two wonderful parents and two wonderful siblings, and I'm grateful for that foundation that they gave me because... I would be nowhere without them. They were representations of God's love to me each and every day. And there are days now when I want to run home and put my head in my mama's lap and let her stroke my hair for hours because that was the most safe and comfortable place. It may seem weird to you. That was my normal. And when I would sit there with my mom, it was like anything else with work or people or relationships just seemed to kind of fade away. I have such great confidence that they joined the communion of saints and that they will be part of the welcoming committee when I get there. I think about another lady that I met named Frances, who essentially adopted me and Sean when we were both uh, much younger. And uh, if you could show that picture of Frances. Um, she was a prayer warrior. And when I mean prayer warrior, I mean warrior. She put her armor on every single day. She had the greatest spirit. And she had the greatest sense of of timing and what was going on with me or with someone else that was troubled. She spent hours every day in commune with God. She had all these devotional tools that she used every morning and she made notes in her Bible and she marked it up. And one of the coolest things about her Bible was that she would give that Bible to one of her grandchildren after she had marked it up that year. So every year she spent going through a new Bible and marking it up to give it to a grandchild. What a tremendous gift to see what she was learning as God was revealing it to her, that she was learning things that she was going to share with her future generations. And for those of us that, that got the blessing of just being with her, she became our spiritual grandmother not saying anything about my own grandparents, but she became truly family. 
We lovingly call her that because she did all the wonderful things a grandmother does. She liked to cook for us to make sure we ate. She doctored all our ailments. Of course, that was giving you 15 vitamins of who knows what it was. And then, uh, but she, she just shared her life with us. And the secret to how Sean and I got married is because she prayed and prayed for it. <laughs> uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to know that. But um, <laughs> he might have heard it. He may have. But when we first got married, I worked in Memphis. And so we were living in Jackson, Mississippi. So every week I commuted and I lived with Frances in her farmhouse during the week. And at that farmhouse, we transacted more business in prayer with God than I've ever experienced in my entire life. How I wish I could go back and relive some of that. I felt so special because I got to stay in her daughter's room. It was still decorated for, you know, a little girl with canopy bed, probably from the 1960s or something, but, but it was like stepping back in time. It was wonderful. The, just, the, just being um, in that time where I, I could learn, it seemed like everything else kind of faded away. Living with this saint taught me about prayer and about having a vital prayer life. Living with this saint taught me that I, all, we all have flaws and things that trip us up. Living with this saint taught me that it's okay to be honest and open when talking to God because he's already aware of what we're dealing with. Now, she joined the church triumphant in November 2003 and we knew with confidence that she immediately was with Jesus. But we were broken. Because once you have those people in your lives, you have a normal life that you're used to. And you have to get used to the new normal. The new normal is hard. The new normal without my mom and dad. The new normal without Francis. They were all difficult. But I have assurance. I will see her again. What about you? Who are you counting on seeing when you leave this earthly body? What does it mean to you to be part of the communion of saints? Are you confident in your walk with Jesus to know that you are going to be a part of the kingdom of God? Who showed you about the way of Jesus that maybe has gone on before you? And how did this person or persons affect you in your journey? I can name tons of people who invested in me. And these are only the most prominent examples. But I pray that I am making them proud. But more importantly, I pray that I'm following the teachings of Jesus. We are surrounded by saints. 
And I feel that we have to truly take advantage of what we can learn from them. The ones that have gone before and the ones in our midst. 